Lit Lounge is busy. Welcome to another episode of Short Story Hunters and I'm here again with Johnny and my name is B. Hi Johnny. Hi B. I think it's lockdown's been lifted, that's why. I think they're all attracted by the bloke in the Hawaiian shirt. Yes, he's, be- <laughs> he's becoming legendary, isn't he? Those shirts are his. It's like flies to the shirt, you know. <laughs> to the what? Flies to his shirt. Oh, I thought... You know, like oh, the flies to the light. Yeah, I thought you said something different. Yes, you're quite oh. right, yeah. <laughs> something brown again. <laughs> oh, no. We don't do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> now, anyway, so we're going to entertain you with more stories, and today we have something slightly... a little bit different. Mm. Um, we have two short stories, and then we have the beginning of a book. Oh, really? Um, a recently published book. Um, but we'll talk a bit more about that uh, later. And today's theme is locked in. Ah, um, very appropriate. Or locked out or locked up or something. Very appropriate for these um, times we've just been living through, isn't it? Why are you saying you've been locked up? Well, we've all been locked up, haven't we? You haven't been one of these no, people I mean. out having barbecues. <laughs> I was thinking more like you were in prison all this oh, time. Oh, uh, <coughs> <coughs> Yes, well, hmm. For whatever you hid in the garden. Yeah, uh, well, we've still a few more shows to go with that. May come to light yet. Maybe. But yes, I thought we'd just look at um, Locked In. Um, so have you ever been locked in, do you say? Other than... Yes, I have been, lo- I have been locked in, but it wasn't prison. I got locked... We've got two doors in our house. That's the kind of... That's the way we roll at our place. And uh, I managed to lock myself in between the inner door and the outer door. And hadn't got key to either. And I had to phone my son, who was luckily out nearby, who had to come and let me in. So it was... Uh, I could see my life passing before my eyes at that point. I thought, I'm never going to be able to get out of this porch. But I was. Yeah, well, some, yeah, but somebody would have opened it surely within the next few days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had no rations and I had, I had no food, I had no water. The sun was beating down. I thought, oh no, this is it. What a way to go. <laughs> and no booze to go. No booze, no nothing. Just me, the sun. No drink, nothing. The sun beating down relentlessly and me marooned between my inner and outer front doors. They would have found you shriveled up. <laughs> Little prune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been hard to draw the chalk line around me, wouldn't it? <laughs> Quite wiggly line, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I don't think I've been locked up or locked in or locked out, well, I don't think. No, well, it's, it's a good thing not to be locked in, I've, locked out. Well, I've been locked in a car with a mad driver in Morocco. I don't know if that counts. Ooh. Yeah, well, it does count, actually. That, that was really quite mad. He um, <laughs> arrived at the Marrakesh airport and I took a taxi. And it wasn't going well already <laughs> when I showed, told him where I was going to go, where the hotel was, and he didn't seem to know where he is. Yeah. Um, if a taxi driver doesn't know, it's not good, is it? Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got in the taxi anyway and we drove off and he pulled into a dual carriageway and halfway in the dual carriageway, he stopped the car, <laughs> walked back, got out, walked back to the taxi rank had a punch-up with another driver <laughs> whilst the cars were whizzing by me. I was literally in the middle of a dual carriageway in the car. <laughs> and I thought, do I get out? Do I not get out? I didn't. No. And then he just came back, you know, just ran across the road and came back in and drove off as if it was nothing. And I thought, oh. Welcome to Morocco, he, um, Welcome to Morocco. And then he um, ended up dumping me in the middle of the Medina <laughs> at nine o'clock at night. I'd have gone straight back to the airport and got out of there. Well, I wouldn't have known how to get to back to the airport in the middle of the Medina. I was stuck there. So um, I didn't know where to go. There was no hotel in sight, nothing. I just had no idea where I was. <laughs> I had no map, but it was before smartphones. Mm. I had no clue where I was. So I asked some blo- <laughs> bloke, as you do, yeah. 
where's my hotel? And he seemed to know where it was. And he was leading me down these little alleyways. Mm. Um, Worrying. To the hotel, just, you know, what your mother tells you to never do. Yeah. Don't follow him a rocking man to a hotel. Well, I'm sure he was fine. He was, he was very nice. But generally, you know, the advice is don't follow blokes down alleys. No, indeed. Um, and I did that, really. <laughs> Needs must sometimes. But we should be talking about being locked in, not about driving. I think we should. I think, you know, we need to press this thing along, don't we? So today we've got three very different ways of being locked in. And in the first story, Mandy, a vlogger, she is locked into her house because of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And in the second story, there's, um, it's about a man who's locked inside his own mind, really, after something has triggered a bit of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And he's now locked up in a police holding cell and the police is um, trying to solve the case and our third story is actually talking of Morocco about Jed who is locked in a cell in a Moroccan prison and this is the excerpt from the book isn't it yeah and this is going to be the excerpt of the book brilliant Um, so yes so shall we do the first story which is um, Mandy being locked in her house okay so let's hear that and who's written it be well, you're going to have to wait and listen then, don't you? Until I announce it. Ah, OK. Crack on with it then. Hashtag Mandy Dream by Matthew Snodding What's up, my followers, my beautiful flowers, my beautiful brave hashtag Mandami? Well, here we are, all on lockdown, shut in our little homes or even in our cabins. I know some of you live in a cabin and I'm specifically looking at you, Kelvin Strummer 35. But don't worry, we are going to be okay. I've got my food in the cupboard and I've got my flashlight in case the power goes because I know they say that it won't ever happen but you never can tell, can you? Like at Stacy 12 at home says, best to be crying over, over, than dying over, under. Thanks, Stace, you're beautiful. Well, what else have I got? I've got the internet still and that is the most important, singularly the most empowering thing because it means I can reach out and touch you all. Well, not touch you in the real sense, but if you know what I mean, but most importantly, touch you with my mind and heart. Well, so sorry I've been a bit, you know slack with my little vlogs my little pieces lately and I mean I'm sure you're all wondering how's hashtag Mandy dream dealing with the apocalypse and you know um, I'm okay Um, I'm okay Uh, I'm putting on a brave face because the brave face is what you have to wear don't you I mean it's it's what it's what people expect and you can't disappoint your followers can you I mean they're sharing your dream and even when I know some of you have been pinging me with all questions about my mom and all about my beautiful, brave mom. Well, she died. I'm sorry to say she died. She died last Thursday. My dad has been in absolute bits because, like, you know, he's, he's useless without her. And I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I can, I can fix a plug and program Sky Plus, but. Well, for everything else, it's just like a, it's just like a bone, like a body without a bone, and there's there's literally nothing we can do, and and there's that word again I've been thinking about lately, nothing, and like, first mom was there, and then she got ill, and then there was nothing, nothing, and me and my brother, well, we 
don't know what to do. And we lost and we lost and we lost and we just lost and, and this disease, this virus, whatever it is, you you think it's you think it isn't coming for you, and you think it, you think you're strong and you think you're special, and I mean. Well, we all do think we're special, and well, we all are, and, but there's no special anymore, just people doing what they can and giving love where they can, getting on where they can, but sometimes, be vigilant, my hashtag Mandami, sending good vibes and see you all on the other side, hashtag R.A.P. Mom, love you forever, hashtag Mandy Dream, hashtag Mandy Nightmare. And that was Hashtag Mandy Dream by Matthew Snodding. And it certainly kind of illustrates what I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of thing at the moment, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Caught the voice really well, I think. Yeah, and it's also, it just really shows you how when you're locked in and just so, you know, so claustrophobic and everything in the world becomes suddenly very big, even yes. if it's just a small thing. Yes, it, it really does. shows our, um, our weaknesses and fears, isn't it? It is, at the risk of being serious for a minute, it is, uh, you know, during all this lockdown and the pandemic, I think without the internet, it would have been a very, very different story because, you know, we would not have been able to communicate at all, I guess, but at least with the internet, we can communicate virtually, can't we? But yeah, definitely, the internet's been a bit of a godsend, hasn't it? Being able to sort of talk to each other. Is that all? Are you just going to say yeah? (laughs) Well, it has. I mean, you know. I'm very blasé about the internet now. You know, I've had it. I've had it. I, I just, just as an aside, I do remember um, uh, when it first came about. My mum, God bless her, uh, said, "Oh yeah, he's got an internet. Like an internet was a car." You know, I love the kind of the terminology. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course we've all now got an internet. But what's our next story? It's called "Drive Me Nuts." A bit like what you do here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just joking. And Darren writes thrillers because that's what he likes to read. And he has written two novels. And the most important thing about Darren, he owns a bakery in Plymouth. Oh, let's get down there. And today's story is... Um, oh, he's, by the way, he's a Litopian as ah, well. Good. And good, in, good. in today's story, he actually makes a little bit of, um, a, little bit of a poke at the a Flash Club. And it takes the story takes place in a police station, and a woman has just dropped off her husband because he's been acting very, very strange. And she sort of drops him off there and says, "You deal with him." And the husband is now in a holding cell, and Constable Watkins and his sergeant are on the case. I like the sound of that. Let's hear it. Well, you're going to have to read it then, aren't you? I like the sound of that. I'll read it. Drive Me Nuts by Darren Burgess The night bus can't turn left. The confused-looking man in the straitjacket mumbles the words eerily, his eyes fixed on the opposite wall of the police cell. He's rocking back and forth in his chair, with expanding slimes of drool dangling from the corners of his mouth. His vacant expression suggests demonic possession as he quietly repeats the words over and over. The night bus can't turn left. What the fuck's wrong with this fruitcake? asks the sergeant. His wife just dropped him off, Sarge. He's scaring the kiddies and upsetting the dog. She said she doesn't want him back if he stays like this. Fix him or keep him, she said. She didn't know what else to do with him, so she dumped him off at reception and drove off. What? And he just let her abandon him here? He 
He tried to follow her, but she tied his shoelaces together. Bitch. Bitch would all thought. Is he on drugs, Watkins? Asked the sergeant, scanning the man's eyes. No, Sarge, replies Watkins, flicking through the man's medical report. Dementia? No. Alzheimer's? No. Well, what the hell sent him batshit crazy then? We're not too sure yet, Sarge. We're waiting for the psychiatrist. The wife said he went to his study to enter a Halloween Flash Club competition with a one-sentence prompt two days ago. Apparently he's been like this ever since. The sergeant opens his folder and looks at the files of unsolved crimes. He selects a file and lays it on the floor, his eyes widening with a look of sheer horror. Watkins follows his gaze over the paperwork. You don't think this is connected to the Cox case, do you, Sarge? There's been no new incidents for months. The sergeant glances away from his colleague towards the crazy guy and back again, grimacing. This has got his name all over it, Watkins. The two men stare at each other for a moment, thinking. The Cox case remains the UK's most notorious unsolved crime. Countless detectives have failed to find out the whereabouts of the rogue agent who's twisted the minds of writers for decades, rendering them unable to function in normal society. The sergeant fixes his constable with a stern look. It's still a mystery how he does it. Some theories say he manipulates him with his technical production wizardry. Some say he charms him with that million dollar smile. What do you think, Sarge? Me personally, I think it's hypnosis. It's got something to do with those colourful patterned shirts he wears. God damn it, Watkins. I've looked into Cox's background and he's never even been to Hawaii. And that was Drive Me Nuts by Darren Burgess. And you know, B, it occurs to me we're never going to get to Hawaii either. Not less. People listen to our show every Friday. That's every Friday, everyone. Okay. And what we also need is your stories. So if you'd like to submit a story, you can do that by going to, um, where do they have to go? Oh, litopia.com forward slash hunters. And you will find a submission form there. And also follow us on at Litopia Hunters on Twitter. And you'll also find us on Instagram. And the address is short underscore story underscore hunters. And as promised, we've got um, something a little bit different. Still a story, but it's an extract from a book. And the book is called Broken Fingers, written by Steve Coombs. Have you read it yet, Johnny? I'm halfway through it, B, and it's a great book. Very gripping and a very well-told story. And it's based on a real-life experience that Steve had. Yes. And um, I think by the sounds of it, it really changed him quite a bit. I'm not surprised. It really was harrowing. Yeah, not something I'd want to go through. No, and not. But apparently he's also... What do we know about Steve? He rejected being suited and booted lifestyle kind of thing back in the 70s. Mm. And he survived three broken hearts. He almost died of thirst at sea and he nearly blew himself up in the Australian outback. So pretty normal then, really? Well, just a normal kind of thing you do, you know, on a Monday morning, just... For your first cup of coffee, yeah? Right, just go and um, nearly blow yourself up quickly. <laughs> and he's now settled in a remote part in Thailand and with his wife and several dogs, although I think there may be strays, most of them. <laughs> and he now writes novels. Lovely. Uh, and a little bit about his book. It's about Jed, who returns home after having been unjustly imprisoned in a Moroccan jail for five years. And he goes home to learn who framed him and who told Aggie that he was dead and he wants to know who now sleeps in her bed. And we've put a link in the show notes to the book on Amazon, so why not get there and uh, get yourself a copy? Well worth it. Broken Fingers 
by Steve Coombs. Chapter 1. Fate is what we make of her. A quote by Malik. Tangier, September 1973. The key looked like a Roman relic. Pitted with age, a small square blade with a shaft and crossbar for a handle showed simplicity itself. But it did its job. As the equally ancient handcuffs fell from Jed's wrists, so relief came, only to die when the guard ordered them to remove their shoes. Jed glared at him, hesitating to obey, reluctant to give back any of the freedom he had just recovered. The twitch of a bamboo cane in the guard's hands told him he had little choice. The hard tiles under his feet induced a sense of vulnerability and banished all thoughts of escaped or imminent release. They were going nowhere. More sign language and barked Arabic resulted in their cash, watches, belts and traveller's checks sitting on the table. Despite his protests, his friend Larry added his glasses when prompted, but his cigarettes went unnoticed in his shirt pocket. Forced to stand in silence, Jed's stomach fluttered, the full English breakfast gurgling while his legs trembled. Tall and strong, he'd never felt so helpless, out of his depth. With no options and no choices open to him, quiet despair took hold, a recognition that others now control his future and that he'd have to beg them for his freedom. No point in shouting for help and too late to run. Fate held him as forcibly as the cuffs, but without a key to unlock her grip. Panic swirled in him, but found no outlet, leaving only the certainty he'd left it too late, too late to help himself. Only his eyes were free to roam, his hands clenched behind his back, arms stiff, his heart thumping as it sent blood racing through his brain. He, a young stock market analyst, should not be here, ill-equipped as he was for a role in a Moroccan nightmare. Regret took hold and he wished he could cancel last week, make it disappear, pretend it never happened. He yearned for the chance to unsay the angry words and replace them with trust so life could return to normal. He'd wanted to hurt Aggie by pretending he had enough of her. But step by inevitable step, circumstance had propelled him way past his intended point of return. Now all he wanted was to be home, at home and saying sorry, asking for her forgiveness. Sorry for the mistrust his childish insecurity had led him to. Was this punishment for last night? The same infidelity had accused Aggie of, his childish levelling off the score? Remorse tortured him as he tottered over an uncertain future, hoping for a helping hand to reach out and pull him back from the edge. Too late, too far. He toppled into a new world, one without mercy. Wow. And that was the opening extract to Broken Fingers by Steve Coombs. And as I say, get along to Amazon, follow the link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. And try not to get locked up in a Moroccan jail. Yes, not a good idea. And uh, I tell you what's not a good idea. I think uh, it's time to wrap the show up because old shirty boy's looking a bit anxious. Oh, yeah, he's wiggling his keys, isn't he? Thrattling. <laughs> get out. I think so. Well, I think if you listen carefully, I think that's the distant music. And um, bye till next time. Well, I'm going to let myself be locked in with the cake. I see there's a nice big chocolate cake in there. They've got cake now. Oh. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.